think that's it. So I'll invite Dave up for the sermon. Hello, everyone. I'm Dave Sattler, one of the pastors here at North Shore Alliance Church, and thank you for joining us in person, and thank you for those who are watching online. It's great to be together. Yes. Can you keep dancing? I like to dance. It's good. Grade five, six, seven students, you can run up that way. You can go down the middle aisle. You can exit up to the upper room. I think Lynn is teaching today. Right. You're going to have a treat. Maybe others might want to go and join, too. (laughs) So today we continue our fall series on church matters, examining God's blueprint for his church. And last week, Jeremy took us through worship. Worship is the first duty of the church. As the Westminster Catechism states, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And when we, the people of God, gather to worship God together, which is the most powerful human activity, it reminds us who we are because of Jesus. And did you know that our worship is practice for heaven? And today we look at the transforming power of service. We grow as we serve Jesus. The concept of service is somewhat ingrained in our culture. For generations past, service meant faithfully collecting things like scrap metal, rubber, and even bacon fat for the war effort. University applications now don't simply consider a student's academic performance, but also the scope and breadth of their volunteer work. With plaques and ceremonies, we celebrate contributions of community service, mostly honoring the individual and their noble contribution to the common good. While it shares some of the same characteristics, I suggest that serving Jesus has a very different aim. Christian service is meant to glorify God and to transform Christ's followers who step in to serve in the mission of Jesus. Service is a hallmark of the Christian church, or it ought to be. Since its inception, God's church has mobilized its people to serve him. And so today we come to the Gospel of Luke, chapters 9 and 10. It's late in the three-year earthly ministry of Jesus. Soon Jesus will make his way to Jerusalem, where he will be crucified and rise again and finally ascend to the Father. A while back, he'd called and sent out the 12 to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. I think this was both practical. It was a way for Jesus to multiply his work, to delegate it to his disciples. And it also provided the disciples with some much-needed frontline ministry experience through which their faith could grow. We pick up the narrative now in Luke chapter 9. We begin at verse 57. Walking along the road, a man said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back 
is fit for service in the kingdom of God. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he is about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals. Do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into the streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet, be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. Jesus went on, whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. But whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me. Later, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan falling from, like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word written 2,000 years ago. We thank you for this incredible story, Jesus, of you sending out the 72. We thank you, Jesus, that you're still sending out people today in your mission, and we get to be invited into it. God, I ask now that you would come and move me out of the way and come and speak to us by your spirit. Spirit of God, would you apply the truths of this text to each heart here today. God, we invite you now to come and speak to us. Our hearts are hungry to hear from you. Tune us in, Lord, to your voice, we pray. In Jesus' name and for his glory, amen. Well, a few observations from the text. The first is this, that serving Jesus calls for a don't-look-back kind of dedication. Have you ever been tasked with plowing or lining a field, a baseball diamond, or a soccer pitch? The one thing not to do is look back while you're moving forward. Because when you look back, it only leads to straying off the line and making a huge mess of things. I've done it. This is the warning Jesus gives when he says, no one who puts a hand to the plow or serves me and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. A man declares his commitment, Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And challenging him, Jesus drops this statement, even animals have homes, but the son of man is homeless. Implying that if you follow me, you too will be homeless. And Jesus says, are you sure you're prepared to be homeless with me? One man offers the excuse of having to bury his father, one of the most sacred tasks of a Jewish son. But Jesus brushes this off as less important than the urgency of going and proclaiming the kingdom of God. 
debriefing our recent Zambia mission trip, a team member said to me this week, when we were talking about our trip, she said, serving God introduces uncertainty. And being uncomfortable forces us to lean on Jesus and reminds us we can't fix everything. A don't look back kind of dedication. Second observation, serving Jesus can invoke serious opposition. In my travels, I've encountered a few dangerous creatures. Spiders, snakes, scorpions, bears, moose. But I've only been maybe 200 meters away from a wolf, thankfully. Wolves are terrifying. So steely eyes. Look at that guy. I can't even look. Those razor-sharp teeth, they're stealth to pounce on you in a heartbeat. This would be a dangerous mission. To the 72, Jesus warns, go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Not super comforting, Jesus. Christian service puts us out there. And increasingly so in our anti-Christian West Coast culture. Stepping out to serve Jesus exposes us to opposing forces, physical, relational, and spiritual. As one commentator puts it, God's servants are always in some sense at the mercy of the world. And in their own strength, they cannot cope with the situation in which they find themselves. They must look to God. Another observation from our text is this, that serving Jesus involves trusting God to meet our most basic needs. No elaborate preparations, no dilly-dallying between houses. Don't fuss about your meals on the road, Jesus says. Do not even take a purse or bag or sandals. What? Well, in Jesus' day, there were itinerant philosophers and traveling teachers who would go from town to town presenting their ideas, wowing audiences, and collecting money for doing so through fleecing and coercing the locals. They stored their riches in their purses, which they carried with them wherever they went. And one could make a more than good living this way. Yet, Jesus presents an entirely different, counterintuitive way. When you're out there on my mission... You're going to have to trust me, Jesus says. Don't soil the kingdom message by manipulating crowds for cash. Trust me to meet even your most basic needs. This will be difficult, but also good, for you will learn to rely on my generous provision, not your own. Principally, this would be a venture of faith. Wherever they went, the simple fact that they were traveling light was to serve as a visible sign to the world that the 72 were trusting God alone to meet their needs. Serving Jesus also often means facing rejection. Facing opposition is rough, rejection even rougher. To the disciples, Jesus says, when you experience rejection, simply move on. One of the heaviest burdens in serving Jesus is we can't change people's hearts. God has to often remind me, Sattler, you're not the Holy Spirit. You can't change people. And when I call you to go, you're simply responsible to be faithful and to obey. The results are up to me. And I must have taken it too personally 
or live and die by people's responses. Good sermon, pastor. Terrible sermon, pastor. When are you preaching next? When will you stop preaching? (laughs) Still, experiencing rejection when we serve Jesus is never easy. And I want to acknowledge the pain that some of you have endured for standing up and serving Jesus in your school, in your workplace, on your sports team, in your neighborhood, and in your family. Rejection hurts deeply, I know. And I find Jesus' words comforting. When they reject you, they're rejecting me. Jesus says, I'm in this right there with you. Serving Jesus also reminds us of the incredible gift of salvation. Elated, the 72 return pumped about their ministry victories. Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And they receive a placid rebuke from Jesus. This is what he says. On display is not your amazing ministry skills or your ability to wield my power. But what's really on display here, on showcase here, is my loving heart for you and for this world. I have long committed a similar idolatry. I tend to worship the things God does. What I've seen God do through me and around me, the victories I've witnessed while serving Jesus. And truthfully, I've often commit, completely missed the person behind it all, Jesus himself. But God's power is never to be separated from his presence. Jesus brings the 72 and us back to the most important victory we're celebrating. Do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, he says, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Because of Jesus' gift of salvation, we are beneficiaries of the greatest wonder of all, heavenly citizenship. May we never lose sight of this. Well, as you can imagine, it's time now to land the plane on some application points. And I offer three thoughts for us today. First is this. It's amazing that Jesus invites us into his mission. To be invited to participate in God's mission is a high privilege. God the Son, Jesus, has a relatively short earthly ministry, three years or so. Seeking help with his work, Jesus sends his followers out on a mission of healing the sick and proclaiming the kingdom. This is both remarkable and practical. It was a huge job. It still is. And the disciples needed to learn to do what Jesus was doing. And in the process, they needed to learn to trust God the way Jesus trusted God the Father. And there's a lot riding on their ministry, too. People's salvation is at stake. In his book, Your Church is Too Safe, Mark Buchanan writes, the master actually invites us and entrusts us to grow his kingdom for him. You and I actually get, by direct invitation from God, to make the kingdom of God bigger. We do it with the master's wealth, all that he provides. But we get to create something for God that's more than just what God handed to us. God looks for that, rewards us for that, and invites us to share his joy in that. We'll touch more on the spiritual gifts in the coming weeks. But Romans 12 says, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, 
So in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the other. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Sometimes we might be tempted to think that the mission of Jesus is only for perfect people. Or those blessed with certain special gifts or skills. When the Bible actually says we each have gifts, different gifts. And whatever our gift, we are called to offer it generously for God's purposes. On our recent mission trip, one of our team members, feeling a little out of place in rural Africa, quipped halfway through the trip. He said, I'm a diesel mechanic, not a missionary. I will never forget that quote. And I love how Exodus actually opens up service to a whole other skill set of people. Moses said to the Israelites, See, the Lord has chosen Bezalel, and he has filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood and to engage in all kinds of artistic crafts. And he has given both him and Aholiab the ability to teach others how to do it. He has filled them with skill to do all kinds of work as engravers, designers, embroiderers in blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen and weavers, all of them skilled workers and designers. So Bezalel, Aholiab, and every skilled person to whom God has given skill and ability to know how to carry out all the work of constructing the sanctuary or to do the work just as the Lord has commanded. What am I doing here? I don't have what it takes. I can't do this. I feel like bailing. Some of you have had these thoughts when God has called you to a ministry for which you felt grossly under-equipped, like teaching Sunday school or caring for a vulnerable person, or leading in prayer ministry, or on mission into a dark place. And God has shown up and given you exactly what you've needed. When we step into situations beyond ourselves, we make room for God to grow our faith. Over the years, it's given me great joy to witness so many of you step into the mission of Jesus and offer your gifts to serve him with great impact. And I've seen your faith in Jesus grow as a result. Truth is, there are many ways to serve in the mission of Jesus. God uses teachers, artists, and yes, even diesel mechanics in his mission too. People of North Shoreline Church, the burning question is, are you willing to serve Jesus wherever he invites you to go? Second point I want to make today is this, by way of application, that fellowship grows when we serve Jesus together. The mission of Jesus has a built-in urgency and intimacy to it. Because of its dangerous nature, lots of opposition, potential for rejection, and the importance of the goal pointing lost people to Jesus, often deep bonds are forged 
between Christ's followers while on the mission of Jesus. This is reflected in Paul's prayer for his fellow believers in Philippi. Paul prays this, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all of my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with affection in Christ Jesus. Did you detect the intimate depth of fellowship and love between these partners in the gospel? Many people approach church with a consumer mentality. I mean, it seems wired into all of us. What can I get out of this church service? What can I get out of this worship style? What can I get out of this community? How can this church meet my needs for spiritual, emotional, financial, relational support? It is true. One of the ways God meets our needs is through his church. However, I suggest we flip the script a little. Ask a different question. What can I give? How can I serve Jesus through his church? Where can I invest my time, my gifts, and my resources in the mission of Jesus right here? So often it's when we give ourselves to serving Jesus that our other needs are wonderfully and surprisingly met. I've been blessed with so many amazing friendships carried by deep Christian fellowship, abundantly cared for by God. And most often it's been through his people that I've served alongside with in the mission of Jesus. What a joy. Third and final application thought today is this. The Christian service flows from our love for Jesus. Sure, it's good to be kind, to do nice things, and to serve others. And our world is full of exemplary acts in which humans serve other humans. There is, as I said before, something different, however, about Christian service. More than mere outward acts, serving Jesus is an overflow of an inward heart love for Jesus. 1 John 4, 19 to 21 says, We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Forever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And God has given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Our service of Jesus grows in us a deeper understanding and appreciation for the love of Jesus. At the same time, our deeper experience of the love of Jesus grows in us a stronger passion and equipping for serving Jesus, inflow and outflow. It's when we serve and see God move that our eyes are truly open to who God is and all that God can do. Yes, the Christian church has a dark history. There is mess, but there is also beauty. In his book, Resilient Faith, Gerald Sitzer offers this commentary on the impact of Christian service in and through the early church. He says, the Christian Faith made a practical difference in the lives of people 
offering hope in the face of acute suffering and calling people to serve the afflicted. In general, Christians faced the plagues with courage, nursed the sick, and buried the dead. They believed that because God loved them as undeserving as they were, they were duty-bound to love others. Still today, the mission of Jesus through his church is unstoppable. When the love of Jesus flows through the hearts and lives of Christ's followers, it's an absolute game-changer. When God's people step up and serve Jesus by serving others, they carry with them a certain authority. Satan will not prevail. Nothing shall harm them. And the mission of Jesus through his people has eternal impact. People's names are written in heaven. Friends of North Shore Alliance Church, this is how we grow. By serving Jesus. There is nothing greater on earth to give our lives to than this. Amen. I want to invite the worship team to come. They're probably waiting for 10 more minutes. They should know by now I'm a short pastor. <laughs> and we're, we have prayer ministry available. I think it's Isabel and Gary are going to be over here under the 23rd exit. If you have a burden today and you'd like God to... I'd uh, like, like them to pray with you, pray for you. I think we have people in the balcony too, Anne. Yes. Yeah, Clive and Debbie, I see them here. They're going to go right into the balcony in the alcove there. I, I really feel God wants to minister to us through this powerful song that we're singing in response today. And so if there's a burden on your heart, please go to see someone for prayer. Let's open our hearts to God's ministry to us through this great song. <laughs>